Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working our way through the book of Romans, and boy, it is going to be a phenomenal study as we uh, pull apart each of the chapters of this book. Hope you're studying along with us through our new inductive study series, uh, The Power of a Life-Changing Faith. Uh, teaching through the Book of Romans right now on Thursdays with students in the mornings, in the afternoon, and it is great to get into dis- to discussion with uh, the text and see how people are uh, wrapping their minds around the truths. This past week, we just finished Chapter 7, so podcast is a little bit behind our, cl- our class, but that's okay. Uh, as long as you are digging into the Word uh, with this podcast, I'm thankful that you're taking the time to do that. Again, want to remind you folks that uh, we are out and about and traveling across Canada. And if you would like us to come to your church, please connect with us at training at preceptministries.ca. We are putting together our fall tour, looking for locations in every province, and I'm thankful for the people who have already uh, started to book those locations, and we've got a number of them already booked, but more to come, more to come, and we're thankful that uh, churches are opening their doors again to have in-person training. Well, folks, we've got a huge week to cover uh, in chapter one, so let me pray, and uh, let's dig into uh, the text. Father, we do thank you for this time Again, that we can come before you, that we can dig into your word, that we can be challenged with the truths that are found here. And Lord, I pray, oh, I pray that uh, these truths would sink into our hearts, that we would be transformed by the truth of your word, that uh, every word that is spoken through this podcast would be back back checked by uh, your word. And Lord, help us to see these truths for ourselves as we go through uh, chapter one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm recording this uh, um, just after one of the biggest uh, kind of award shows in the music industry, I guess. I don't know. I've never really been a big fan of award shows. I, I don't watch them. I usually hear about the recap uh, the next day. My daughter is a a huge Taylor Swift fan, and so she was checking out the Grammys for Taylor Swift and a couple of other singers. But boy, when I read the paper, uh, the news, do we still read papers? I mean, in my town, they just drop the, the newspaper from five days a week to three days a week, so it's probably on its way out. So I was looking at the internet, and uh, I read about a performance at the Grammys. And this performance at the Grammys uh, came with some images in this article. And at this point, 
in my life, I feel like shocked, not shocked is probably the best statement that I can make, but yet still, still shocked at like, have you ever just sat back and thought to yourself, what in the world is going on here? And, And that's the response that I had from the performance by two artists and, and honestly, folks, I couldn't even tell you their names. Uh, all I know is that these two artists, they performed a song, and the song was entitled Unholy. And so uh, I googled unholy uh, lyrics, and I looked them up, and I, I began to read them, and I learned that the song is about uh, two people in an adulterous affair who no longer have to hide the affair. It's out in the public, and yet... The family at home, a wife and child, uh, don't know about the um, the affair that's happening. And so I'm sure there's more to it than that. But the night of the Grammys, uh, the artists, uh, both part of the LGBTQ community, and uh, one is transgender and, and the other is a homosexual. And uh, this music uh, performance, one of the individuals dressed like Satan uh, had the horns um, that we are customary seeing with uh, an image of Satan, uh, red clothing, uh, dressed like Satan, and and CBC tweeted about the performance, Are You Ready to Worship? In reference to this performance of the song Unholy. (laughs) Like, honestly, the thought that came across my mind was, is this really happening? And yet it is. It's happening right before our very eyes, as I've said in previous podcasts, one of the fastest cultural shifts that we have ever seen. I have not seen anything like this in my lifetime where we have so quickly moved away from the truth of God's Word to a truth that we determine totally on our own. The world is a mess. It's absolutely a disaster when it comes to the worship of sin. And and I'm not just drawing attention to these artists. I'm talking about all sin. It just seems that if we look around, it seems that evil is reigning in the world. And yet we know, because we are good students of the Word, that's not true, that nothing happens outside of the design or the plans of Jesus Christ and His Father. Nothing happens without their permission. We see in the book of Job that even Satan couldn't attack Job without God's permission and some some boundaries that were put in place by God as Job was inflicted with torment from Satan. So God is ultimately in control here. 
I mean, God is not surprised like we are by what we're seeing in the world. But yet, man, oh man, it just, it just kind of rips at my heart every time I see this and I think about uh, the generations that are going to come after me and, and all I can ponder and say to myself is, come Lord Jesus, come. Because, you know, I'm getting into that age that maybe in the future, 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 maybe I'm going to have grandchildren. And, and what is the environment that my grandchildren are going to be raised in? If we've strayed so far from the Word of God now, what, will the Word of God even be accessible in 10, 15 20 years. Well, we know that through history that the Bible will survive. The Bible will continue to be taught and read. And it's lasted through world wars. It's lasted through cultural changes in the past. And it's still the number one selling book of all time. We know that God's word will reign true forever. We can be thankful for that. But this really sets the stage for us in Romans chapter 1. And and the way I want to approach Romans chapter 1 this week is I actually want to approach it backwards. I want to look at the uh, book as this chapter as though it were written the other way, only because, in my mind, I feel as though Paul presents the solution first, and then as he works through Romans, he's going to build upon the problem. And so, uh, when we looked at our segments within the overview, we saw that the the first segment was chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, and then chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 3, verse 20, is, is the building of this second part, which is the problem. So 1 to 17 is the solution, and 1 to 8, 118 to 320, or 118... Yes, 118 to 320 is the problem. So we're going to begin to break out the problem uh, in this week's episode, and we will, over the next two episodes, continue to break out the problem. But what do we know? And that's where we want to start. And so we'll start working through the text from verses 1 and on, but we're going to then address two things that are revealed, and then four important truths we need to know from Romans chapter 1. All right, so let's, let's work our way through this. Uh, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, <coughs> excuse me, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, 
who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among who you also are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For the God whom I serve in my spirit and in my preaching of the gospel of his Son is my witness as to how I unceasingly make mention of you, always in my prayers making requests if it perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the will, uh, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often have planned to come to you, and I have been prevented so far, but that I may, uh, may come and obtain some fruit among you, also even as among the rest of the Gentiles. For I am under obligation to both Jew and to the both to Greek and to the barbarian, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. That's the first 15 verses of Romans chapter 1. As we looked in the overview, there were some things we picked up about Paul, and, and we just want to remind ourselves uh, about kind of the, the overview of this letter. The first thing we want to know is that this letter, uh, we have to understand, it was not written to the point of um, criticism of some actions. So Paul is not writing this like he wrote Galatians or he wrote uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, his focus here is, as he's told us, is to impart spiritual gift. That was what we came up and concluded was to, to lay down doctrine so that they would be established, the, give them the truth and the whole truth. Uh, he also wanted to be encouraged by them, and he wanted to encourage them. He also wanted to obtain fruit, and he wanted to warn them about uh, dissension within the church. But when we look at chapter 1, we, we want to say, well, what do we learn about Paul really quickly? Well, we learn that Paul, he was set apart for the gospel. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. His whole mission was populate heaven and plunder hell. Uh, he went about doing this in places where the gospel had never been preached before. He did not want to build upon another's but he wanted those who had never heard the gospel before to hear it. He wanted to build the church. We also learn in those first 15 verses that Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, we can walk through Corinthians again, as we have many times on this podcast when we've covered a letter by Paul, but we can look and say, well, we know he wasn't ashamed because he sure went through a whole lot of suffering 
for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 17 is an example. Acts chapter 16, where uh, Paul was arrested and then a mob came after him for him preaching the gospel in places that had not heard it before. In the book of Acts, when it's referring to Paul and Silas, he called the gospel the teaching that was upsetting the entire world. And Paul was not ashamed of it. Everywhere he went, he had the same practice, reason the scriptures, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the synagogue, and then also sharing it with those who were Gentiles in the area. And the result of his being unashamed, we see churches upon churches being built by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Paul. And so this is, this is the Paul that we're, we're kind of looking at. And, and he says, uh, as a part of his preaching, he's constantly praying and making mention of what the gospel has done in the church in Rome. And so he is looking forward to being with them, but he has been held back from being with them for multiple reasons. But he lays out in these first 17 verses, he lays out the solution. And we'll come back to the solution found in verses 17, uh, 16 and 17. But we want to look at the problem. Much like the culture that we live in today, everything that is coming out of the culture stems from Romans chapter 1. That's the immediate reaction I had when I read the article about the Grammys. Romans 1. It's Romans 1. I think I said on the previous podcast, everything old is new again. And so we should not be surprised at what we see in Romans 1. So there's two things that are revealed. All right, the first thing that is revealed is found in verse 17. And when we come back to the solution, we'll look at this a little closer. But Paul says the first thing that's revealed is the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. That's the first one that's revealed. Now, the second thing that is revealed is this. And that is found in verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So let me build upon this because there is a lot to unpack here. And, and we're going to unpack it quickly because we want to focus on the solution. So the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, ungodliness and, unright and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. If you were to summarize verse 18, and you wrote in the margin of your Bible, now if you're driving, you can go back and you can take notes later. But what he says here in verse 18 is simply this, God hates sin. And God's wrath is going to come against all 
unrighteousness. <laughs> so, so right there we see that in the wrath of God, what is revealed? God hates sin. And then as Paul will build on this, listen to what Paul says next. As much as we know God hates sin and his wrath is revealed against all unrighteousness, he says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So, just think about this and put this into 2023 for a minute. The very fact that God hates sin should never be something new to an individual. Paul tells us that this was revealed in us. <laughs> what? What do you mean by in us? Well, one scholar described in us as our conscience. It's that even from when we were first born, we knew the difference between right and wrong. That that was within us that we knew. Uh, Paul back, will back this up, and we will see this later in chapter 2 when we get to that episode. But Paul says that even the Gentiles who did not know the law were instinctively practicing things of the law. <laughs> just, just from their internal instinct, they knew the difference between right and wrong. Now, we can look and we can see that, and I, and I think about our, our children and raising our children. Uh, one of the things that we did not have to do is raise our children to be disobedient. Uh, they were disobedient from the beginning. We did have to teach them things about right and wrong, but they also instinctively knew that there are differences between right and wrong. And so Paul is saying that it's not a surprise that God hates sin. And from in, within your conscience, you know right and wrong. I always go back to the illustration of the Looney Tune cartoons. I mean, those are the things that I grew up on. And, and what did we see? I mean, we see this played out through multiple television shows, multiple places, in which we have, within our minds, we have two inner voices speaking, one speaking good, one speaking bad. And where did they come from? They're, they're set within our mind to speak and tell us the differences between right and wrong. Paul says, not only was it in your conscience to know the difference between right and wrong, but that God also made himself evident in creation. That his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood 
that what has been made is of God. <laughs> I mean, this summer we went to Banff and we went to Lake Moraine or Moraine Lake and it's the the mountainous picture that used to be on the $20 bill. And, and we went on a beautiful sunny day where the lake was a, an amazing turquoise blue. But the entire time we were driving through the mountains, I just kept saying to my wife and, and my kids, how can people say that there is no God? And then there was the one night when we were staying in Canmore and the sun went down. And as the sun went down, you watched as the shades changed across the mountain and the beautiful sunset that was occurring. And you look, how in the world can that great beauty have ever come from a big bang? It's impossible. When you look at the human body and you think about how organs can regenerate themselves and and heal themselves and how we can we can heal it's absolutely amazing it's all a spectacle of god's amazing work even in the psalms we have in psalm chapter 19 the heavens are telling of the glory of god and their expanse is declaring the work of hands day to day the heavens and the earth pour forth speech. They reveal knowledge. There's no speech. There's no words. Their voice is not heard. It is rising from one end of the heavens. It's a circuit to the other end. And there's nothing hidden. It says that God placed the tent for the sun. He created the dark and the light. Look up. The heavens declare the beauty of God. So he says, Paul, and simply saying, okay, well, you can look within in your conscience and know right and wrong, and that you can look into the heavens and see that God is creator of all, that nothing in this world happened by chance but it happened by the very voice of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, and it was good. And so what people have no excuse, people who, who are unrighteous, who are headed for wrath, they cannot say, I did not know God existed. I did not know that he hated sin. I did not know that there was punishment for sin. You know how we see this played out in the world? Even in the Hollywood television shows and movies, we see people go, oh, if I do something bad, I don't want to get struck by lightning. You see, all of these principles, they're, they're laid out for us that God is a judge and that he does judge the difference between right and wrong. So he says all of God and his character have been shown through creation. And now look what it says. Okay, so it tells us that because God has made himself known uh, through them and through creation, it says that men now are without excuse. 
you have no reason to say, I didn't know. And then verse 21, Paul builds on this case, and he says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Well, let's start there. He says that they knew God, right? They knew him, but they didn't honor him. The important thing for us to understand here in this principle, because we're, we're looking at the problem here, is that in this principle, when you know God, how do you know him? Through, through your conscience and through creation, even though you knew all about him, you did not honor him. You did not give him his worth. And so this is about worship. This is about putting our focus in the right place. And what you see here in verse 21 is that because they did not direct their worth to the creator of the heavens and the earth, that what happened was they actually shrunk back in their mind from what they knew as truth, and they became futile. They let their speculations take over. They let their foolish heart become darkened to the truth. They professed to be wise, and they became fools. Are you seeing this in our world today? Are you seeing that people have failed to ascribe the worth to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and give them all the glory? What they've done is they have ascribed their worth to themselves. They've elevated themselves above God, and as they continue to elevate themselves above God, they become dumber. And what I'm seeing in the world, it, the things that I cannot believe are happening, it's because it seems as though people have completely lost common sense. <laughs> it's like, really? What has happened? And so when we ascribe our worth to God, when we give him all the glory, we don't fall into the trap of the futile mind. Look at what they did. They professed to be wise. Hey, I know everything. I'm the smartest person on the earth. My, on the earth, my truth is the best truth, and therefore I'm going to force everybody else to follow my truth no matter what. Cancel culture. Verse 23, it says, they exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image of the, in the form of a corruptible man and of the birds and the four-footed animals and the crawling creatures. You want to know what these people have done? They have failed to ascribe their worth to God, to give him all of the worship. One scholar wrote, Man did not begin with ignorance and work his way up to intelligence. He began with the blazing revelation of the power and wisdom from God, but they turned their back on it. 
Since God revealed himself in this way to man, men are now without excuse. They did not honor God, even though they knew God, they didn't know God. They didn't have relationship with God. They did not have just head knowledge of God. There was no heart transformation. We're seeing this as men in the world. We, we try to rationalize our sin and put that into acceptance. Paul says that not honoring God is the entrance to the gate that leads to a path full of idolatry. It's putting self and idols and giving them all the worth when that should be given to God. Let's keep following through the path, because in verse 24 it tells us, uh, Therefore, because they did not honor God, because they ascribed all worth to themselves and began to worship idols as more important than God, it says God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, You see what happened? God gave them over. Let me ask you a simple question before we move to the next principle of the problem. Do you think that's what's happening today? Do you think that God has delivered over to the world exactly what they want? Because they have failed to ascribe worth, honor to God. So God has given them over to the lusts of their hearts, the things that they so desire in their heart that they're going to give all of their worship and praise to. I believe this is happening right now in our world. You, you want that? Go for it. And this is why we're seeing the problems we're seeing in the world. God is allowing all of this to happen because that's what man wants. Look at verse 25. He says, uh, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who has blessed them forever. For this reason, because they exchanged truth for a lie, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women to exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men and women committing indecent acts and receiving their own persons the due penalty of their own error. Happening today? Yes, it is. Where did it start? It started by not giving God the worth he was due. It was walking through the gate that leads to a path of idolatry. It was worshiping the idols of self and self-worth and whatever the idols may have been, power, money, influence, all of these different things that became the greater focus than that of focusing on God and giving Him His worth that led to the futile mind into speculations. Hey, 
Are there, is there any speculations going around right now concerning the Bible? What about the definition of marriage? What about the definition of what a male and a female is? What about the definition of what a woman is? What about the definition of what does gender mean? What about homosexuality and all these things that are happening in the world? How did all of these things come about? They came about by asking questions. And who started asking questions in the first place? Satan did. In the book of Genesis, when he said, did God really say that? And that is the question that has continued on, which creates speculation, where people then fall down that path professing to be wise, but they're really a fool. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And that is what's happening in the world today. But there's an escalator going down. It's, it's an elevator with a broken cable. It's, it's like you started on the hundredth floor. Like you knew God. You knew about his power, his invisible attributes, all of these things. You suppress that truth. You exchange that truth for a lie. You fell into speculation and you began to become a fool instead of being a wise and knowledgeable person in the truth that you once knew. And all of that, as the cable is cut and the elevator is falling backwards, Paul tells us that the worst of the worst comes out of this, and that is in verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Do you see what happened here? It was first that they knew about God, they didn't profess to be in relationship with God, but they knew about God through their conscience and through creation. But then they fell into foolish speculation. They became foolish in their ways. And as they became foolish in their ways, they continued to exchange the truth that is being suppressed, and they fell into the lie. And as they fell into the lie, they began to push God even further away and not giving the worth that he is due. But finally, when it comes to the end, the people became absolute haters of God. They did not acknowledge God any longer. This is a decline that we have seen in our culture that has not happened in just the last three years, but it has happened in many years. Yeah, yeah, I'm becoming the old guy. The old guy who looks back and says, remember the days when we had Bible stories and the Lord's Prayer within our public school system. Remember the days when we would have all of these different things happening where we could, you know, profess God and not worry about the cancel culture. All of these things that were once, and now God is being pushed so far back that now people are questioning whether God's word is really his word. Well, look what God does. God delivers those who deny God over to a depraved mind. And now listen to as Paul describes the actions of that which a depraved mind takes. 
They're filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding. They're untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And then he blows you away with, and he says, and although they knew the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. The world flips upside down when we don't give God the worth he is due. It's just that elevator that's falling back and it finally crashes at the bottom and the worst of the worst is we now praise and worship and give hearty approval to those who suppress truth and practice the things of a depraved mind. I mean, we all want a pat on the back, right? But do we want a celebration that sin is okay? In my mind, I don't. I don't want that to be a part of the things that I see in the world. I don't want to see sin celebrated and people giving hearty approval for it. It's the exact opposite of the way that God intended for his creation to interact with him. And so Paul lays out this problem and he says that there is a serious issue within the world. And the serious issue is that God hates sin. And he is going to rain down his wrath on those who are unrighteous and those who suppress the truth. I mean, this is a hard principle to to hang on to, but we know it. But, I mean, we know people that are living in this pattern of life. We know people who, who worship sin and heartily approve these behaviors. We know people that are succumb to these lies and they have exchanged truth for a lie. That's why it's so hard for us to, to be able to grasp the fact that, you know what, God is going to judge unrighteousness. He's going to deal with it because he is just and he hates sin. But in the first 17 verses, Paul presents the solution. And he tells us that he is set apart for the gospel, that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And he's going to tell us why he's not ashamed. And he tells us why he is so eager to preach it. And it's found in verses 16 and 17. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith that is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And we want to wrap up this podcast and we want to look at four important words found in, this, in these two verses. 
But first, we need to look at the fact that what, what we learn is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So if you're a note taker, word number one that we're going to look at is the word power. And the word power is the word dunamis in the Greek. And this power also explains one of the characteristics of God. And that is that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He has the ability to move things and be a world changer by his power. Well, we've seen this before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. It's by the power of God that people are saved. So the gospel carries the power and ability to move somebody from a place of destined for wrath to a place of salvation. That's what that power is, and it has the ability to do. Only God can change us and make us right with him. I was talking about this at a church a few weeks ago and talked about how all the world has this great desire to see change. One of the greatest money makers in the world is the diet industry. You know, I've even become fallen victim to the diet industry and you can be changed to look like this. And we work so hard and we work so hard to be changed, but truly only God can change things permanently. The second word we want to look at, okay, so the first was power of God, and the second is salvation. The Greek word uh, is uh, soteria for salvation. It's used 19 times in the letter to Romans, and the word sozo or saved is used eight times. And the point that Paul is making through the word salvation is that only God can save. It's only by his power that we can be saved. Absolutely nothing else is going to take the wrath of God off of us. Only by his power. It is the only thing that can save us from the penalty of death. The third is that we want to look at, the third word, is the word faith or believe. The the principle that Paul is sharing in faith or believe is that we are to trust in God. It is to firmly believe or to stand firm in the truths and the knowledge and the understanding of God. These beliefs they reflect in the way that we live. So he says, in the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the, to the Gentile. It's for everyone. And so it is our faith in putting trust in God that what happened? Well, he talks about it at the beginning of Romans. 
He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It's the gospel that was spoken about by the prophets. This gospel is concerning his son, Jesus. And it says that he was, Jesus was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. This same descendant of David was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead according to the spirit of holiness in Jesus Christ our Lord. He talks about what is the power. Paul says in these verses that the power of God was displayed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we are saved. When we believe in what happened at Calvary, when we put our full trust in the act that was taken on the cross, when we put our full trust in God, we are saved. The final word that is found in these verses is found in verse 17. For in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. The word righteousness is used more than 35 times in the book of Romans. Faith puts into action the divine power that brings salvation, and in that saving act, the righteousness of God is revealed. Do you see how that works in my life? I believe in the work that occurred at Calvary, the work that occurred when Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. When I believe in the very fact that Jesus defeated death when he was raised from the dead, it's the power at work in my life. It's the power that brings about salvation. And by that act of me believing in the faith of what Jesus did on the cross, I am made right with God. This is called the great exchange. It's moving from being in a position of wrath into a place of being saved and made right before God. Because I'm made right before God, my sin is no longer seen by him. The penalty was paid. The debt was paid. And now I'm in right standing with God because of Christ's shed blood. Can you see why Paul is so eager to preach the gospel? He's so eager to preach the gospel because it has the power to move someone from death to life. Of course he wants to go and bear some fruit and see some fruit come out of his ministry wherever he wants because he's bringing dead people to life. 
and is absolutely amazing. And guess what? You get to do it too. It's not just Paul who gets to bring dead people to life. You do too. But remember, your role in this is twofold. And so let's wrap up this podcast with with the twofold application. Are you ready? The first is this, that you must trust God and obey. Because what Paul says in verse 17, he says, the, but the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. This is so much more than just putting your trust in God and, tr- and professing Jesus with your mouth, but it is all about living out the truth of what you have professed. That you have been moved from wrath or death to life that you now serve a living and true God and you don't serve the idols of self and the idols that lead to a depraved and degraded mind. But you have been transformed by the power of God and you are saved. And the way that you show that you are saved is when you live out that truth. I'm no longer a dead man walking, but I'm now living for Jesus and I am obedient to him and his word because I am his disciple. And the second is this, that it is our job to share the truth of the gospel with others. Remember, it's not me physically bringing people from death to life. No, no, no. The gospel does that. My job is to proclaim what the gospel has done in my life. It's that simple. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. We don't have to have these crazy stories where we hit the rock bottom of the world filled with a life of drugs and alcohol or whatever the story may be. Every story is as valuable to to each other in the eyes of God. Why? Because pre-cross, we were all destined for death. And we were all brought to life by the power of the gospel. And that's what we've been called to share. Peter sums it up when he says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, You have been called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into light. Proclaim Jesus and what he's done in your life. Go out there. Share the truth with others. Why? Because we live in a world that is suppressing the truth. We live in a world that is more and more moving away from acknowledging God. We're living in a world filled with people with a depraved mind. And the only answer to the solution and to the problem of this world, the only answer to the problem of this world is one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. 
And I think again about 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that when Paul went to Thessalonica to preach the gospel, Paul then writes about what happened in that church. And he says that when the gospel came, not only in word, but it also came in power and conviction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He then says the church went on to be imitators of Paul and of the Lord. You might be the only Jesus somebody ever sees. So it's your responsibility to share the truth of God's word. That's all you have to do. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel that transforms. You just need to be the messenger. Trust and obey. Live out the truth that you are saved and have been brought from death to life. And share what God has done in your life with those who are destined for wrath. Father, we do thank you again for the time that you have given us. A powerful chapter in Romans 1. Lord, work in our hearts. Challenge us to be people who share the truth with others. Open doors for us to do this. Don't let us miss these opportunities. Father, make us aware of what's happening in our culture, but make us courageous and not afraid of what's happening out there. You are in control. Nothing is outside of your design. And it's for your purpose to bring people back to you. So Lord, we pray for those opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website presetministries.ca to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.